0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Counterculture Podcast, where we counterculture with biblical truth. I'm your host Derek Mount with your other host,
1: Anthony Remender,
0: and we're back for an episode. I think this is episode five or six, Anthony.
1: It's episode six, Derek. Yeah, we have but he doesn't.
0: We haven't been back in a long time, but as you see, we're back. Uh, yeah, more. We know you guys
1: missed us a lot.
0: You you missed us a lot and you know what better time to come back than the 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 best season of the year which is Christmas you know
1: Christmas season it's the birth of our lord and savior guys and this is our christmas present to you is <laughs> we're back we've returned <laughs> yeah we're excited yeah. for this
0: episode we're we're excited for this episode it may be you know a little you know debated kind of split it, yeah it's spicy very it's a little divisive. political yeah all political now but uh, i guess we can mention it you probably see in the title but we're talking about the abortion topic today and i know we're kind of yes, late sir. we're kind of late because it's been maybe 3 weeks since road versus wade has been really debated in the supreme court but we thought it was uh best fit to maybe dive into the topic because we see christians also today you know, they're not just, we all think like Christians are all pro-life, but that's not the case. There's a lot of Christians who are pro-choice too. Um, so we're just here to, I guess, give our opinion um, based off of scripture, what we find in scripture, Scripture, and maybe try to rebuttal some points. But, you know, first we want to start with some statistics um, that, you know, may be quite disturbing Um so right now, at this very second, this year alone, there has been forty-one million seven hundred four thousand five hundred forty-two hundred abortions that have been performed worldwide. And over the past, I think, 10 or ten years, there's been an average of 40 to 50 million um, performed. Um, so that's basically 125,000 abortions a day. Um, and in the U.S. alone... Um, uh, There have been, uh, I guess, quoted 3,000 abortions per day. Um, I don't know what that equivalents to. Let me see. Let me calculate. I think 3, it 000. averages to
1: about a million a year is what I've heard. But, it, you know, it, I think it fluctuates. I think it's. So, yeah. Yeah. I think at one point it was like a million a year. But I think it's somewhat dropped. And I think I think I was reading it was like six hundred, seven hundred thousand 700,000 a year. So, so it's a
0: million ninety five. One million ninety five thousand. Um, which is very staggering um because i mean as you know like if we haven't really given away we're we're both pro life and we believe that's you know i guess 40 50 million lives lost every single yeah, year which that's crazy which, which I, I is didn't really know that number was that high
1: i never heard that global number 40 over it... 40 000, or 40 million i didn't know that i mean that's
0: yeah that's that's a shock, and uh, I mean that's very I, I, that's troubling to me because that's forty to fifty million more lives that I guess could be on this you know Earth today. I guess we add it up over time. I I wonder how many abortions have been committed through all history. Who knows? But I mean, as we're gonna, I mean, it's not this isn't a new debate.
1: Like yeah, I mean, yeah, it the debate is like bigger than maybe ever before. But the the I mean abortion itself has been talked about forever. I mean people have been doing abortions forever. There's never been and the the church as we're going to discuss has never been um never been quiet on what our opinions are about that. You know, people like to characterize it as kind of a new idea. I mean people people frame it in the like American political ideology and it's just not like you a Republican democrat, you know, it's a Republican idea to try and control women, you know, it's a right wing. And they frame it in this this kind of anachronistic American politics framework. And it's just not. I mean, there's been strong condemnation from Christians from the very Mm. beginning of the church, um, like 1,500, 2,000 years ago. But um, speaking of statistics, I think it's interesting when viewing that, hearing about how there's over 41 million abortions every year or that's how many there's been this year. To look at support of it, to look at look at who's supporting it, because we talked about how people like to think that all Christians are pro-life, and I mean, if only that were the case, we certainly wish that was the case, but it's it's definitely not, and this is from, um, Derek sent me this the other day, it's from Pew Research Center, and it pulled views about abortions in terms of um, public policy, so whether or not it should be legal or illegal, and it found that, um, in the U.S., 53% of Americans believe it should be legal in all or most cases. And 43% believe it should be illegal in all or most cases. And that's pretty split. 53 for legal, 43 for illegal. But it's still pretty but it's still pretty split, you know. That's why it's a contested thing. But then you look at specifics, and it, and it breaks it down by religious group. And this is where it gets interesting. Um, illegal in all or most cases. There is a... of Catholics believe it should be legal in all or most cases believe abortion that's like half you're talking about you're talking half of Catholics believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases the numbers look better for Protestants which is what we are as you know and it's only um, 33% say legal but that's still a third like that's still I mean if you take that's 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 pretty i mean a third is a it's a high that's a high statistic there and 68 percent or 63 percent are for illegal in most cases that's i mean those are still unreasonably high numbers but i mean it should be 100 to zero if we're being honest but i think there's this that's what i want to get to later is there's this kind of interesting conception that you can be you know privately in a personal life against abortion publicly for the legalization of abortion. You know, like I might not have, I, I might have a personal moral problem with abortion because I'm a Christian, but that shouldn't dictate public policy or law. And that's a very, very common idea. Like people I know who are Christians hold that idea. And it's just nonsensical, you know? And people say you can't impose your religion on people and impose your religious views on abortion on the general public. We'll talk about that later, but one hundred percent of course you can, and one hundred percent of course you should <laughs> but um <laughs> it's pretty interesting stuff it's very the situation with abortion in terms of not only how often it happens but how often it's supported it's a pretty rough situation derek
0: yeah i I just really question why how they come to that conclusion i mean we've had, we'll probably mention verses of what one i guess one account we found uses that talks about um I guess why abortion is okay, um, but if, if you do, do you want to name off or basically name the verses that we concluded, like how like yeah, life yeah. begins at conception? Um, so yeah, I can we read had that verse. Um, I mean we had well, three. So, so Psalms yeah. one thirty nine, right? And then mm-hmm. are we doing Job? Job. Uh, yeah. Um, and then there's you also Jeremiah Job. Own, one. There's also Jeremiah. I can let me read Jeremiah one through five real, qu- or okay. I mean one five real quick. It says, um, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I con or I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations." And then you can read Job, or I mean Psalms one thirty nine. Yeah, I have Psalms,
1: and these are pretty like even with Derek's verse that he said, you know, like God knew him, you know, the person that the verse is talking about in his in his mother's womb, and this one is. I mean, classic verse. I'm sure you all heard it. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And this is a, I mean, this is an idea consistent. Throughout Scripture, and Derek's gonna read another verse in Job where it talks about the same thing, where God was intimately involved in the development of of a baby inside the womb. Like God is is very intimately involved in there and cares about that process and has a plan for the child, even when it's in the womb. That's actually my favorite part of that Psalm verse right there, is where at the very end, verse sixteen, it says, "The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them." None, none of my life had even happened yet, you know. Like I hadn't even walked the earth for a single day yet. Every single day that I would walk the earth, you had planned out for me. That's a very. I mean, it's that's very interesting. You can read Job there.
0: Yeah, uh, we're in, this is Job ten eight to thirteen. It says, "Your hands fashioned and made me, and now you have destroyed me altogether. Remember that you have made me like clay, and will return me to the dust. Um, Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese?" You clothe me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and you, your care has preserved my spirit. Yet these things you hid in your heart. I know that it was your purpose. Um, like you're saying, like I find it so interesting with like the knowing, you know, like the how he knew before, you know, even though you walked like had your first steps after your i guess personally when you first come out the womb and walked your whole life god already knew you know your story was basically ready written um in a sense and god has a purpose and a plan for just you solely and i find that really interesting how god knew even before you were a twinkle i guess in your mother's eyes um what where are you going to be in life? What was going to happen to you? And he was also there in the part where, you know, since where you were being created in the womb, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I like to point out, so I know we're going to mention it, like how God's the creator of life and he gives and he takes away. And I think the best, like I guess, passage for that to show like with humans is Job. But, um, when it said, uh, Remember that you will made me like clay, that you made him up, you know, he he created him, and you will return me from dust. So basically, you know, in a sense, he dies. So the Lord gives him life, and at the end of the day, he takes his life. Um, Not on his own personal time, not like, you know, as we say, like, if he gets murdered or, like, aborted. Which, in a sense, we believe that's when humans try to play God figure um, and be God which, you know, again, that's just the rebellious state of humans because we want to, I guess, be, in a sense, like God. But I guess we can mention that later on when we come to that one verse. I forget what it was, yeah. Kings or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's what we're going to notice when we go over a couple supposed verses that are not very pro-life, where people try and use these verses to attack pro-life. And... um that's going to be the, the thing to remember is that li- God is the source of life. That God gives life and God takes away life. God li- Life is God's to give and take away. And that's going to be, for a couple of those verses that people use, that's going to be the important thing to re- to remember. God taking away life is not the same as us acting like God and saying because just, our own whims we just feel like it we're going to go in and abort a child and and end a life that's that's different life is God's and that's the whole pro life argument is that life is not ours to decide when it starts and when it ends and um, and I think Job is a like Derek said Job is a really great story t- for to really put in perspective God's relationship with man because Job is a faithful guy. He's righteous and he's followed God all of his life and God has blessed him for it. You know, he has children and land and money and he has all these things that, and he's remained faithful to God through all of it. And Satan basically comes to God and he's like, and God's like, hey, Satan, look at my man Job here. He's, he's remained so faithful to me and righteous. I mean, he's so great. And Satan's like, well, that's just because you bless him. That's because you give him all this stuff that he really likes. You know, that's just because you treat him so well. You know, I bet if you took all the way to, that away from him, that he would he would he would you know curse you and he would reject you. And so God allows that test to take place where Job is stripped of everything. And eventually Job does get to the point where he's like, "Why? Why would you do this to me?" And he questions he questions God and he starts to think, "You know, maybe this doesn't make sense. Why God would do this to me?" And God kind of puts him in his in his place in a, in a really interesting way and God says, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth?" Tell me if you have understanding who determines its measurements. Surely, you know, or who tr- who stretched the line upon it to what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb. When I made the clouds, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said this far, you may come, but no farther and here your proud ways must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment from the wicked, their light is withheld, and the upraised arm is broken and he just goes on and on and on about the wonders uh-huh. of the earth and how God himself controls the clouds and the seas, and He commands them, and He ordered all of them, and He laid the entire foundations of the earth for all time that earth has existed. And Job's questioning, why, why did my cattle die, and why did my family die, and why did I lose my money? And God's like, you know, you know nothing of what it's like to command the earth. You you know nothing of my ways. You think you're so wise, and you know we can't really blame Job for coming to that point because we do that. You know, I probably do that every day where I'm like, God, why, just just (laughs) why, Um, and but we. So that's gonna be the important thing to remember. Life is God's to give and take away
0: one also thing to add so basically the whole I guess crux of this debate is when does life begin uh, is it in the womb um, so basically when does the unborn become a human is it in the womb is it when they come out of the womb and I think these three verses that we mentioned show that you know these are literally human beings that are in the womb that God is fashioning together and are knitting together to make you know a precious human being in the image of god because we we are all made in the image and i think these verses really show how like we are human beings in the womb you know it's mm-hmm. not when we when we it's not some mysterious thing where 13 weeks in we are still not a, a human yet but then by the third trimester oh we're finally fully human or that we're not fully human till. Uh, we come you know out the womb because like if we decide ultimately when life first begins I think that like again that would basically wipe away every debate um, I guess given you know for abortion for like pro-choice like or for life because I guess in a sense like morality is on I guess. I wouldn't know how to describe it. It's like on a court, like it's it's being, um, shoot, what am I trying to say? Like in a court of law, so it's up on the stand, mm-hmm. and a, and abortion's okay. that morality, and it's it's getting questioned. Like, well, if abortion starts, if life begins here, then abortion is okay, and that is true because if it's not a human 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 being in a sense, then like there would be, you know, it wouldn't no be murder if you know if yeah, it wasn't it life. I, then ending it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't matter at the end of the day, but if we look at it and it does begin in the womb and it does begin when the fetus and the sperm come together, then any Mm -hmm. abortion is immoral and it shouldn't be allowed in a sense. So that's just some quick thing to, to, I guess, uh, mention. And also another thing, so I was reading, um, so this is saying, you know, so... This is basically this article right here basically shows like what happens in the first 13 weeks because you know how they say like it's a clump of cells, correct? Like it's just right. a clump of cells. So this says, um, two weeks after the egg and the sperm meet, a human heart is beating, it's circling it or circulating its own blood within a few more weeks. F- f- or fingers are forming on hands and brain waves are, de- are detectable after just six and a half weeks. These inward parts, in a sense, they're talking about Psalm 139, are moving. Two weeks later, they are, uh, there are fingerprints that, you know, in a sense, that can be seen. And they can their sexuality, so if they're male and female, can be seen. Kidneys are forming and functioning. Their gallbladder forms, and by the 25th week, in a sense, all organs of the baby's body are functional. And it also says, all this happens within three months. The first trimester which people try to use in a crux and saying well it's still not a human being up to that point it says hearts mm-hmm. organs brain sexuality movement reaction and then it goes in uh how this evokes awe and amazement and i think it is pretty amazing how a baby is formed like is that not a miracle in a sense like how right. f- it's like it's formed and like over time even in the first i don't know what's the first trimester is that three months so 13 weeks in a sense like isn't Uh that crazy that's amazing like i that's amazing like how just you know just that process happens and only by a miracle of god in a sense that does happen um but it's just something to mention
1: yeah i think you're right about that it's a it's an amazing thing and people i think and this gets into the more the political arguments instead of the more theological philosophical arguments, but people talk about how the pro-life crowd kind of, um, they make women into nothing more than, um, (laughs) vessels to carry. Like they they basically have no worth outside of having a child. They basically have no worth outside of that. They're basically just a vessel to, uh, to have a baby, you know, and that's all they're good for. But I think it's so much more, dehumanizing or i guess so much more it lessens the value of women so much more i think to be making the arguments that they're making because the pro-life side you know we would say it's a it's a miracle like what like a woman's body is able to do and the fact that they're able to like form an entirely new being inside of them and like within their body is the place where like it's like a spiritual event almost where like a child is formed and infused like physical matter is infused with soul and spirit from God. And it's like creates a a life, like a consciousness that's able to have like eternal life. You know, like that's like, there's like this miraculous, amazing, like this like unimaginably incredible thing that women are just able to do with their bodies. Just like, it just happens, you know. Like, what I mean, they don't even have to like try. They basically just have to like get pregnant, and then just it happens, and their body just does it, and that's just like incredible. And that's like what, that's something very major. That's that's a major mm-hmm. thing that separates men from women, and that's something major that makes women amazing and and special. And you know, that's something that no one else can do. And but we will say that, and there are people that will say, Oh, so that's all they're good for. And that's all. But I think it's so much more to take away the value and the specialness of that, of creating a child from women and basically saying, yeah, it's really not worth anything, which is basically what the pro choice crowd does basically say, you know, it's just kind of a physical thing. It's not really a separate thing. It's just kind of you basically growing another limb inside of you. You know, it's not like it's its own independent person or its own life, you know? Um, And so you can just kind of get rid of it. Like you're, you know, getting your appendix removed, like that's so much more reductive of how special yeah. a woman's ability to create a child is, and that's the pro-choice side that's that's doing that. And so, I, I just think that's that's interesting. Do you do you want to go? Speaking of weird pro-choice arguments, do you want to look at those um, those Let's things I some. sent you? Those those verses that I sent you. I'll be, pull, you can pull it up and start talking about the first one because I got I want to look something up specifically.
0: Uh, okay. Um. So. Oh, I found it.
1: Hold on. I want to read it because it is very relevant to what I was just saying. Okay. So I don't read wanna, it. I don't, um. So Madison, uh, Madison Cawthorn, who is a a representative in in Congress, a he when he when talking about abortion. He, he made some remarks about women, which sparked outrage. Um, and this is where I got the term, the, the, the phrasing of vessel, because this is, the, this is what he said. This was the words he used um, to describe women when talking about why he's pro-life or whatever. And this is a classic example of what I was just describing about how the pro-life side is framed as being demeaning towards women. When it's actually vice versa. So, like, Derek, you can. I, I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard this? What he said about women?
0: No. What he said.
1: Listen to what this says, and tell me if the, if your first reaction to hearing this would be that this is demeaning towards women. Because I heard this, and I actually kind of laughed, and I was like, that sounds like he's. That sounds like the best thing that someone could ever say about about like that sounds like he's treating women. You know what I mean? Like, tell me what you think. He said. Precious works of our Creator, formed and set apart, meet death before they breathe life. That's what he was describing. Abortion. Mm-hmm. He said, "Abortion is the babies that are precious works of our Creator, formed and set apart, meet death before they ever breathe life. So before they can ever come to the world, they're they're killed." And he says, "Earth." He says, "Eternal souls woven into earthen vessels, sanctified by Almighty God and endowed with a miracle of life, are denied their birth." Doesn't that just does that sound offensive to women? He said, "He he." he described women as earthen vessels for uh-huh. eternal souls. I heard that and I was like, that sounds dope. <laughs> like that's like, that sounds sick. Yeah. Eternal souls woven into earthen vessels, sanctified by almighty God and uh, endowed with the miracle of life. Like, I don't know who on his staff is like, who's was this. Cause I don't know if it was him himself. Probably not. I don't know who he's got <laughs> on his staff, but they're, they they're spitting. I mean, that was like, yeah, that sounds sick. Good. Like that sounds like, it's something really basically as I was just describing, something really special and amazing that women are able to do. But people were like, um, earthen vessels? Like yeah, earthen vessels. What's the problem with that? It's uh it's just very interesting. But go you can go into that first verse.
0: So basically this account gives one, two, like ten verses. It says a friendly reminder that the only thing the Bible says about abortion is how to perform one. And then it gives First is, let's say, like, Genesis 2-7 says, Life begins at birth, with it, which is the first breath. Um, so in Genesis
1: 2-7... I have it right here. I can read it for you. It says, um, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being.
0: Describing Adam being created, by the way. So basically, I mean, I guess they're showing how since Adam became a living being when he first breathed, uh, his first, like, <laughs> I guess, life. That's yeah. when he actually became a human being, which I guess one comment I really have, uh, on that is like, was Adam and like, one, was Adam in essence in the, in a, in a woman's womb, in a sense, like, cause yeah. I, I mean, I mean, like, you know this was the first man ever created. This was God molding him in his image and he breathed life into him. In a sense, like right. in a sense, but like one thing I find like in a s- interesting is like they could use the argument how God wove him and then like with a baby like oh well God wove Adam or wove the baby and then when the baby first came out the womb, then he was able to first breathe. That's when his soul came alive. Which I mean, which I was talking to you about before, like on the argument of when does the soul become, like you know, when does a human being receive its soul? I wish I did a little bit more research upon that, but let's see if I can find the article where I was reading at. Um, do you want to add anything to that while I'm looking for this?
1: Yeah, I think the idea of when the soul comes into the body of the child. I honestly don't think that that matters very much. I think it matters Mm. only in so much as it determines whether we use the term murder to describe it. So if you you determine that a soul comes into the fetus from the moment of conception, then anything after that's a murder because you're ending a life. You're killing this soul or maybe not killing the soul, but you know what I mean? You're killing this thing that has Mm. a soul. And so that would be murder. Um, And so... If that's when we determine the soul comes in the body then it'll be more but even if you don't determine so this was this was the case when I was researching kind of early church views on abortion because like we said the church has talked about abortion from the very beginning you know as far back as you know we had Augustine in the fifth century you know like over 1500 years ago talking about you know this he's very strongly condemns abortion Mm -hmm. you know Thomas Aquinas 800 years ago talks about how Abortion's a grave sin, and it's a mis- its a, you know, a crime against nature. And um, early church councils, as far back as Augustine, you know, fifteen hundred years ago, we're talking about how it's gravely wrong. But even in their day, when they all had unanimous agreement that it was a, a sin and it was grave and it was it was a a, a great wrong um, against God and nature, there still was debate on whether or not a soul, whether a fetus had a soul, or at least when uh-huh. in that process it a soul became a part of the fetus. Aristotle had a theory that male fetuses receive a soul after thirty days and female fetuses receive a soul after ninety days. Which is a bizarre theory, but it just go and there was people who, like Thomas Aquinas, I think, or maybe it was Augustine, believe that. Like they they supported that theory. And there was others that, you know, just left it, you know, treated as just a divine mystery that we couldn't understand and they just left it up to God. Um but it didn't. But the point I'm making is that there was a lot of sometimes weird debate on like when a fetus got a soul, but it didn't matter. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it's wrong because they still all agreed no matter when a fetus gets a soul, even if you abort a fetus before it has a soul, that it's still sinful. It's still a grave wrong because the Bible is clear that God is intimately involved in the process of a child forming. Even the womb from the very beginning has a, that God has a plan for its life and, so it's for God to plan that child's life. And so for us to act as God and take life and death into our own hands and determine that we want this child dead for no reason, um, that that's civil. Even if that child does not have a soul yet, we the the church, the, church, the body of Christ has always believed that mm-hmm. that child still has value and that God is intimately involved in the development of that child, even if you determine that it does not have a soul even if you were to grant that the child doesn't have a soul while it's a fetus. So, yeah, we can debate about when the the fetus gets a soul. Um, But, like I said at the beginning, that only goes so far as to determine whether or not we call it murder. And even if you were to grant, okay, the fetus doesn't have soul till third trimester, if you were to, for some reason, want to grant that, um, it doesn't make it... that We could still argue that it's a sin, that abortion is still a sin and it's still a grave... Grave evil, and so that was not really related to the verse, but that's um, just an important thing I want to note because there's often talk about you know, does life begin at conception? Which you know, I believe it does, but there is it's interesting that even in the beginning, when they, they didn't have you know, biology the way we have it, mm. and to where they could observe an embryo from the moment of conception, but and so they didn't know how it developed exactly they yeah. didn't know all the details but they still determined it was wrong whether or not it even had a soul so but in terms of that verse just because adam had life breathed into him by god does not mean that breath is the determiner of, of life it yeah. means that it was for adam when he was first created and but it doesn't mean that for a fetus that's when life like it it's apples to oranges it's not really a, a fair comparison so that
0: so, that verse is you can scratch that one off so, so I found this one, this is what, it's, it's on Stand to Reason, the article. It says, the Bible does not say life begins at first breath. And it says, it says Adam came to life at first breath. Um, and the author of Genesis, in a sense, is not telling us when all human beings come to life. The Bible doesn't teach, and, and then it uses argument like, the Bible doesn't teach every man comes to life at first breath anymore, and it teaches that every woman comes from the rib of, of a man. Ooh, facts. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that actually. And he shows like uh how like because of that we have to look elsewhere in the Bible um to see, you know, in a sense where to find where life begins or the soul. So. Right.
1: So that, that you can scratch that verse off. But and so the second verse, the second second point that this post makes of its many many verses. Um the second one it makes is that are not people, according to Exodus mm-hmm. 21, um, 22 through 25. And it, try as I might, I can't understand where they even get this. And there's a few of these verses in here where it's just like mind boggling how they're how they were able to draw this point from this verse. I'll read you the verse. It's uh, Exodus 21, 23 through 25. It says, and this is um, this is law. This is like the Old Testament law for the Israelites that was being laid down. It says, If men fight and hurt a woman with child, so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according, accordingly, as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And then it says, But if any harm does follow, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I'm not sure where in there they're getting that it says a fetus isn't a yeah. person. It says a pregnant, pregnant woman gets hurt by a man. And then something, you know, she gets hurt severely enough that she like gives birth prematurely. No harm follows though. Like there's no harm to the child, no harm to her besides, you know, the initial harm and then her giving birth, then he'll still be punished and, and he'll still be punished for hurting the woman. But you know, there was no harm done to the child. So he's that he just harmed for hurting the woman. But then it says if there is harm to the child, because of because he hurt the woman then he'll be hurt then he'll his punishment will increase because he's now hurt both the woman and the child if anything it seems like it's counting the child just as significant as the woman saying you hurt a woman this is your punishment and then if you hurt a woman and a child your punishments even greater you know I I don't understand where they could be possibly be drawing that a fetus isn't a person Uh, no no absolutely no clue do you have anything you want to say about that one uh, no. All right, no. we can go to the next one. I mean, all some right. of these guys are just, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> this is like two-inch water we're going into. It's just not a lot of deep thoughts at all coming from these Instagram posts.
0: Okay, the next one's pretty r- long, so we won't read it all, but it's Numbers 5, 11 to 31. And it basically says how fetuses should be aborted as proof as adultery. Um, Again, like if you look at it, there's nowhere in a sense – where it shows that, um, and these, I guess, first, the, the numbers five, it talks about like a test for adultery and it shows basically like they're going to give them something which like causes in a sense their stomach to, I guess, do kind of implode, not implode, but kind of bloat up to show if they were, uh, to show if they were guilty of adultery. But nowhere does it say, like you know, in a sense like did you did did you have it marked,
1: yeah, I do have it, and may this water that causes the curse to go into your stomach and make your belly swell and your thigh rot, and the woman shall say, Amen, so be it,
0: so it basically says the I guess we can read twenty seven and when she has made her drink the water. Um, Then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the core shall enter into her and cause bitter pain in her womb, shall swell, and her thighs shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. Now, Mm. I don't, so that's talking about the woman with the kid, I guess, you know, who got caught in adultery. It says all, like in a sense, all because her belly swelled doesn't mean like she didn't have the kid. Now they try in a sense I can kind of in a point they the next verse says but if the woman has not f- defiled herself and is clean then she shall be clean or free and shall conceive children which I guess I guess they could have used that point like in a sense well because the next verse says well the one who didn't drink it conceived the child then that means the other one um didn't but I mean yeah, it's I saying think
1: it's... it's saying that nothing happens to the woman who didn't commit adultery. She'll be she is free to conceive children, but the woman who did commit adultery won't have kids, you know. And not even really I don't know if it's because like her womb has just become barren, but it just just says she will become a curse among her people. And I it doesn't even mention the fact that she's pregnant. That, that's what I'm I'm reading back through yeah. this, I don't even find any because it just says in the start it says and this is again Old Testament law and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the children of Israel and say to them if any man's wife goes astray and behaves unfaithfully towards him and a man lies with her carnally and is hidden from the eyes of her husband and it is concealed that she has defiled herself and there was no witness against her and nor was she caught so this is nowhere in there does it say that she got pregnant it just says that she cheated on her husband and you know had sex with another man and there was no witnesses and she just like never got mm. caught and she kind of got away with it this is what you should do um, it doesn't even say that she got pregnant, and so no. this, the the argument that this is biblical instruction for how to commit an abortion, not really, not really anything. It's just uh,
0: that's the that's the only the only thing I see is them saying, well, she drank this and now she can't conceive a child because of yeah. a wicked act she committed.
1: Exactly, and that's different. I mean, not being able to have a child is different than aborting a child. You know, that's God saying. You wanted to commit adultery with your husband. You know, I gave you a family, I gave you a husband. This is where you could have had kids or whatever, and you wanted to go cheat on your husband and now so now you're just it's gonna be your punishment now that you just won't have a family anymore, since you wanted to defile the family I gave you. Again, scratch that one off. Doesn't make much sense at all. What's the next one?
0: Uh so sacred life. Yeah, life is
1: not sacred. This one's just weird. This one's I'm gonna be honest with you guys, this one's just weird. This is Deuteron- Deuteronomy twenty eight. 18 through 24. Some of these longer ones, I would encourage you to go read them yourself and see if, because then just see how little they make sense. But do you know how 28, 18 through 24. Now this is God again. All these early Old Testament books is a lot of law, a lot of crime and punishment type things. And in this chapter, 28, God starts the verse that. And he said, or starts the chapter, chapter 28, and says, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he lists out blessings that will happen if they obey him. And then this section, verse 15, But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then it lists curses that will happen. And among those curses, it lists, Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, or rebuke you in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and you... And until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me the Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land in which you are going to possess the Lord will strike you with consumption with fever with inflammation with severe burning fever with a sword with scorching with mildew and they shall pursue you until you perish and your heavens which Mm -hmm. are over you shall be bronze blah blah it's I mean it's just a list of yeah of of curses so this one doesn't talk about pregnancy or abortion specifically but the point that they say that this verse makes is that life is not sacred. They're saying, look, God will do all these horrible things to people, so life must not be sacred. But it's that's not how it is at all. And and I guess it gets into a weird definitional thing. What do you mean by life is sacred? But this verse is a very clear logic. It's a very clear calculation. Do good, obey God, be righteous, and he'll bless you. Be evil and wicked, and sin against God, and reject him and God will punish you. That I mean, that's pretty pretty clear. I don't I don't know what their problem with this is. Yeah. It's it's God basically saying evil people will be punished. Which no surprise that pro abortion people wouldn't like evil people being punished. Maybe it's a little maybe it's a little subconscious, they know that, that they would be involved in this. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's not God saying life isn't sacred, that's saying evil people will be punished. That's all there uh-huh. is to
0: it. Do you want to – so since we're heading up on the hour mark, do you want to skip the other ones? And yeah, there's do you a,
1: wanna, uh, I want to get to the part where I made the point wanna, about um, when talking about the Israelite kings and stuff and them killing babies. Yeah, we, um,
0: they, the, we can go to 2 Kings 8.12 and we can talk because that basically sums up the whole, I guess, retrospect of the, many of the arguments that they pose yeah. in here. Yeah, so
1: yeah, a lot of these closing arguments are that, um, look – This bad thing happened in the Bible, and thus God must be okay with it. It's a similar argument people make when they talk about um, polygamy. And people will say, look, Abraham had multiple wives. Abraham engaged in polygamy, and so God must be okay with it because it says in the Bible that your Bible character was polygamous. But what they fundamentally don't understand about the Bible or are choosing not to understand because they hate God um, (laughs) is that the Bible is... As much as it is a teaching on what's right and what's wrong, it's also just a record. Like, this happened. Like, this is the story of what happened with this person. And sometimes the people in the stories do bad things, and sometimes they do good things, and it's not saying that God approves of everything that the characters in the Bible do. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when King David sees Bathsheba, and he sees her, like, bathing in one of the public pools or whatever, and he thinks she's beautiful. David basically has sex with Bathsheba and gets her pregnant and then murders her husband and cut to cover it up. And then it's this whole, it's this whole thing. And that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it shows that like David who was described as a man after God's own heart, which is like, I mean, what a, what a compliment. I mean, what a, what a description, a man after a heart that his David's heart just so close to God in that way. I mean, that was, that's just so amazing. But even he, committed adultery and then murdered the girl's husband and then married the girl and then the Bible is not a story of perfect people doing perfect things all the time and do only doing things God approves of. The Bible's, a story of people who screwed up and it's about God working with very screwed up people to make something awesome happen. So that's what a lot of these other verses come down to. And so we'll read um, 2 Kings 8.12. And, it's, and this is also a context issue beyond them not understanding that fundamental thing about the Bible This is also one verse very much out of context And this is the point they said they make Israelite King Menahem ripped open pregnant women it Sounds so shocking. You know the Israelite king Israel <laughs> is supposed to be the good guys and They're, they're over here. they are supposed to be God's people and God's people are ripping open pregnant women. Well, let's read 2nd Kings eight <clears throat> twelve. And Hazael said why is my Lord weeping? he answered because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel their strongholds you will set on fire and their young men you will kill with the sword and you will dash their children and rip open their women with child first of all you can just read that verse and know that what the person in the Instagram post said isn't true Israelite King Menahem ripped open women that's what that's what they say having the verse that Mm
0: -hmm. Menahem
1: ripped open pregnant women read the verse and what is what happens Elisha says to Hazael You will You will dash their children and rip open their women with child so menahem isn't even involved in this story I mean he isn't in, in the broader story, but mm-hmm. in this verse menahem isn't even involved. It's Elisha's telling Hazael you will become king and you will rip open the, the women with child but let's say for a second that Menahem is the one they're talking about the menahem will do this king menahem is king menahem will do this Let's say that they were right that doesn't mean so what it's like i just said the bible is a story yeah. of bad people and literally just a few verses prior in this same chapter um it says what did it say about menahem you may be uh
0: <clears throat> am i think am
1: i thinking of um one of the the future ones that i forgot about
0: are you are you on are you kings 8, 12 kings 15, second kings 8:12
1: or second kings 15:16 second Oh, Whoa. my bad. that that's that's fifteen through sixteen. Sorry, that's what I just read. Second Kings fifteen yeah. sixteen is talking about Menahem. But that's not what they're yes. talking about. Menahem is described as an evil king who all the days of his life did evil in the sight of the Lord and all his days he didn't depart from evil. And God's in that verse says that he ripped open pregnant women as part of his evil. Mm-hmm. And so again, like I just said, the Bible's a story where it describes bad people, you know? And the Bible's explicit. This is an evil guy, here's something evil he did, and this this post twists that and says, "Oh, look, an Israelite king. God must be okay with that." Obviously, not true. But Second Kings eight twelve um, the point the point they make all at Second Kings eight twelve um, is that God will rip open pregnant mothers to be. That's what the post says. It says God will rip open pregnant mothers to be. But even so, we just read you that verse, and that's that's not true. It's Elisha telling Hazael that he will rip open pregnant mothers to be, not God. Just yet again, both mm-hmm. verses: Menahem, Hazael. They're both describing evil kings that did evil things, and so this verse is trying to make that out like God approves of it. Uh, it's just not true. Sorry, I just get a little confused. It's just uh, sometimes, just reading dumb stuff, I just my brain gets all dumbed down. And I I don't know what I'm reading, and I just I get a little confused. But yeah, and that's just the continuing thing is just misrepresenting, and the other verses do the same thing. I would encourage you guys to um look into these yourself because it is
0: kind of the yeah. same thing. But, I mean, the other thing we could add is, like, what have happened when, you know, I guess, when God, in a sense, sent Israel to war. Right. And to take land. And they kind of used, well, they killed all the, the people. Or, like, Noah's Ark, like, that one video was saying, well, mm. God killed all the women who were pregnant um, and all that. but I mean he killed everyone and why did he kill everyone? Because everyone rebelled against God and it was un- there was unrighteousness, I guess filled the land. And I think we forget sometimes how righteous and holy our God is, right? Um, and I, th- I think so- we didn't really get to those, but like there's some where it showed how God like, I guess maybe sent Israel or said uh, Israel would fall because of their rebellion against him. Mm -hmm. Which at the end of the day, like you know, we are in a sense like we we are enemies of God, you know, and we've rebelled against God. Um, And I guess, I guess, I guess we're coming on an hour, but that's the great news again of the Christmas story with Christ coming, you know, to I guess forgive us so we don't have to face, you know, that righteous judgment of God that you, know, you see throughout the Old Testament upon the people of Israel and one Noah's flood, but then you also see the righteous judgment that will come in Revelation. And it's because of a rebellion of us becoming, wanting to be like God, you know, in a sense. And this is where that abortion topic does take, because we feel like we are the creators of life. We feel like we should be able to take life when we see fit to take life, but that shouldn't be the case because only God is the one who creates life and should take life. Um, yeah. Would you like to add and anything else uh, as we end? I want to uh,
1: end on what you just pointed out, um, which is what we started with. Bring it full circle here, that God is, God, it's life is God's to give and God's to take away. So I want to end on this post from um, Instagram account. The Bible doesn't say that. Love his Instagram account. They often talk about things that the Bible definitely does say. But, um, and they posted this verse, the verse we started with, which will be the uh-huh. verse of the episode, Psalm one thirty nine. For you created my in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Beautiful verse, very poetic. And this is what the caption says. This verse doesn't mean what you think it means. One of my personal favorite pro life clobber verses from my evangelical days is this verse. Anyways. First of all, this is from a poem. It's not meant to be taken literally. First of all, yeah, 100%. We know, we we don't believe that God, like, from heaven, like, sticks knitting needles in the mother and, like, (laughs) is knitting the child together. Like, of course we know it's a poem and we know it's literal. If anything, I think that makes it all the more beautiful and all the more amazing. Um, But they go on. But they say, but let's say it is literal. Have you ever knit something? It's not instantaneous. You don't pick up your yarn and needles and bam, you have a sweater. It takes time. It's a process. Yeah. What, <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's called the process of being pregnant. In the same way, it's not a human life at the moment of conception. It takes nine months of knitting. That was a big jump from this is a process to it's not a human life until it's fully formed. Who said that something has to be 100% fully formed in order for it to be a valid human life? There's plenty of people... Who, are, who have birth defects, who are not f- fully formed and are still perfectly normal human lives. Um, and um, yeah, so that's the point they make. But seeing as this is the verse of the episode, we need to explain this. Yeah, we know it's not literal. We know it's poetic. We know God isn't literally in there stitching us together. But as with all good poetry, as with all good art, it represents a larger truth. It's something not real it's something metaphorical that represents a truth so God knitting us together in his mother's womb and our mother's wombs is metaphorical of the greater truth that God is intimately involved in the process of us being born that God is intimately involved in fetal development while we are still in the womb God is involved and he is playing a role in the creation of that child's life and the planning of its future God has its yeah. days laid out before it even walks in. That's what—that's a greater truth. We know that that's not literal, in but it's representative of that of that truth, that God cares for us and has plans for us, even yeah. when we're in the womb, and that that's that's the um that's the central
0: point. So that's yeah, the first I mean, like, I find it funny in the hashtag. It says pro-choice is pro-life. That's a complete contradiction. Yeah, uh, but. Like, like it says, like, we, uh God form- God knew us, I guess, before even the, um, I forget what verse it is, before he even created the world. Like, he knew, like, right. hey, like, Derek Mallon or Anthony Remender would be born on this day. You know, the time when, you know, I began, you know, in a sense, creating you in the womb. I know the specific time. The time when things happen in your life, I know and like it's constant throughout and i i think that's what we have to really um i guess really get a hold of that you know yeah or uh, what, we what didn't, was i trying to get to the
1: no yeah that's what we need to take hold of that's what we need to hold on to is that yeah, yeah. god had our uh, had us planned out before not only were we was our life planned while we were in the womb but even before the foundations of the earth we were all planned and that's it's god's intention and that's that's the whole point of the pro-life argument is it's not our place to act as God and end that. You know? Let God's process take take um take place. And um Yeah. So remember that going into the Christmas season, tie this into Christmas. The greatest gift that God gave us was Christ, and he knew from the foundations of the earth which ones of us that Christ would be presented to and that we would accept him. So accept Christ, celebrate that he was born, and Stop supporting killing babies. We didn't even get to like I mean there was so much more we could have gotten to we mean, we could've gotten to freaking how it's the satanic element of it in the, the spiritual when we in the the political stuff. I mean there's so, so there's so many aspects to the abortion argument, but this is really the fundamentals is what you gotta understand that this is a scriptural idea. Never let anyone tell you that it's not scriptural to be pro life and that's not biblical. Okay? Uh-huh. You cannot be pro abortion. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm sorry. You can't be pro abortion you can't even be, you can't even be, whisper this, you can't even be pro-legalization of abortion and be a Christian. I'm just going to say that. don't think so. Uh, but, <laughs> that's the broadcast. What well, do on that one.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty, that's really good. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to episode 6 of Counterculture Podcast. One question to really think upon really is, would you have liked if your parents aborted you? that's a that's a great, great question one to think about to so that, that that's a because you know we, we we are so you know blessed with our own lives but we're so willing to i guess take away others and mm. completely banish them from ever or from existence and yeah i thank you guys for listening i hope you guys can share it and see you next time on counterculture podcast episode seven this in 2022
1: it's gonna be a new year
0: yeah see you next time <laughs>